This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. It became apparent to, to Ian Murray that there was just a whole range of books out there, many of which were being dumped by older pastors into secondhand bookshops, used bookshops, and they, they realized that there was something that needed to be rescued here. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master and joined here by my friend and co-host, James Dalzell. And we are also joined on the line today uh, by Mark Johnson. Mark is originally from Northern Ireland. He is the pastor of Bethel Presbyterian Church in Cardiff, Wales. He's also had pastorates in the United States. And he serves on the board of the Banner of Truth Trust. He's authored a number of Banner Books, and he is familiar to many of you who are friends of the Alliance because he writes for Place for Truth, the Place for Truth website where this podcast is also hosted. So, uh, Mark, uh, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you, Jonathan. I wanted to talk today a little bit about the Banner of Truth and the work of the Banner, and then to zero in on a current project that the Banner is working on that I know you're overseeing. So, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the Banner of Truth Trust, maybe the history of it, um, and even its influence on your own life and what, what the banner is all about. Yeah, glad to, Jonathan. The uh, Banner of Truth began in the, in the late 1950s, um, really not, not deliberately setting out to become a, a publishing house or, a, or an organizer of conferences as, as it's now become, but it began in response to the, the need of that time in the UK um, and to the fact that a, a group of what were youngish men at that time kind of stumbled onto the, the theology and, and writings of the Reformers and especially of the Puritans um, and became deeply conscious of, of this really rich vein of experiential Calvinism that was out there um, that, that was just so helpful to where they were at at their stage of, of theological and spiritual development and which they saw as being so relevant to the church at that time. Um, all of this coincided with the, the ministry of, of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who, who had been a, a pastor, first of all, in, in Wales, where he saw a, a very special work of God not far from where we're living here in Cardiff. Um, but then he was called to, to London, pastored Westminster Chapel there for many years. Um, and, and God used his ministry in a most extraordinary way to bless a whole generation of Christians. Um, and it was during his time preaching and teaching in, in Westminster Chapel that, that he himself became acquainted with the Puritans and, and with the Reformers. And one of his then associates, uh, the young Ian Murray, was asked to do some, some research for him to, to, do, to provide uh, a number of, of historical lectures on their Friday evening meetings. And in the course of doing that, um, it became apparent to, to Ian Murray that there was just a whole range of books out there, many of which were being dumped by by older pastors into secondhand bookshops, used bookshops, and they, they realized that there was something that needed to be rescued here. Um, and they, the, the rescue mission began uh, with the publication of, of what came to be known as the Banner of Truth magazine. Uh, it wasn't intended to be a regular publication. It was, it was meant to be occasional uh, initially, where the men who were involved in this little movement, plus others that they, they looked to, would write articles um, tapping into... Uh, Puritan writings and Puritan preaching, um, and, and it, it became so so warmly welcomed by the the wider Christian readership at that time that uh, it, it gathered momentum and, and it soon became a regular publication. And then it was on the back of the magazine starting to gain influence that the suggestion was made that that books should be published as well. Uh, and again, they ventured into republishing 
um, some long out of print Puritan works, and 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 it went on from there. Yeah, there's an incredible legacy there, and and I frequently run into pastors and other Christians who have benefited from one or more banner of truth titles, and uh, many of these are books that we wouldn't have otherwise encountered. How, how about for you, Mark? What kind of influence has uh, the banner of truth had in your own life? I know now you're involved as a trustee, but I'm I'm thinking of your your earlier years when you first encountered uh, banner materials. Do you remember a, a couple of initial books, or was it the magazine that you encountered first? And and what kind of an influence did that have in your own life? The initial influence for me was kind of subliminal um, because my father was uh, an Episcopalian pastor at that time. He had he had went not long after I was born. He he trained for the ministry and and was ordained. Uh, into the Church of England, um, and he, his first assistantship curacy in, in the language of Episcopalians was with a, a, a fine, godly uh, rector um, who was deeply steeped in the the, the Reformed and Puritan tradition. Um, and and it was during his time in in that church for three years that that he began to develop a love for the Puritans. His preaching began to be influenced by Puritan theology. He himself. For three years, it sat under the ministry of, of Dr. Lloyd Jones, and, and it made a huge impression upon his life. Um, so, when he got his first pastorate back in 1967 in a, a small rural congregation in the west of Ireland, uh, from the get-go, he was he was he was preaching like a, a modern-day Puritan. He was reading banner books. Um, he was quoting from the Puritans and from Lloyd Jones and others. So, so as a then a seven, eight-year-old growing up under that kind of ministry, w- without understanding what it was. Or where it was coming from, um, it was a, it was very much a, a present day Puritan ethos of, of the pulpit, um, and, and it, it impacted me from an early age. I you know professed faith when I was ten, um, and and by early teens was was developing an appetite for reading. And perhaps not surprisingly, whenever I, you know I got to began to get familiar with my father's library, I, I began to discover that most of the titles on his shelves had come from from the Banner of Truth or from that broader stable, uh, and I think the, the first the first book that I consciously remember reading and being gripped by was the memoirs and remains of Robert Murray McShane. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know, Murray McShane was a, a very young pastor who ministered in Dundee in Scotland in a church called St Peter's, um, and he threw him, him, himself heart and soul into preaching not only the doctrines of the Reformed faith but handing them in a way that. Um, applied them in a very penetrating way to the hearts and minds of his, his hearers. Uh, so it wasn't just that he was preaching to professing Christians in his congregation, but um, he at, at that time it would have been fairly commonplace for people um, who weren't professing faith to, to nevertheless attend church. And, and um, ironically, Martin McShane died at the age of 29 um, suddenly, um, but he, you know, the, the full fruit of his 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 ministry actually um, came to light when he was away from his pulpit for a, a trip to Israel, and he'd asked uh, W. C. Burns to, to to step in as his locum, and and really Burns's preaching just hammered home in the hands of the Holy Spirit that the whole thrust of what McShane had been doing, and and many people came to faith at that time, and and, a, and an effectual mini revival broke out in that part of Scotland, and I just remember reading as you know, as a teenager at that stage, but but relating and sending, sending a kindred spirit with this young man from Scotland all those years ago. 
the story of his life captured me. And then to go on and read some of his sermons in that same volume was just first major influence of a banner book in my life. Is that where you would advise people to start today? I mean, if you were going to put a banner book in someone's hand and say, you really have a, a lot to, to learn from these kinds of authors, is, is, yeah. that where you would, is that where you would start? Uh, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all starting place. Uh, you know, each of us have got different leanings when it comes to our reading habits and, and the things that, that we enjoy reading. So you know, there's some people who really enjoy reading church history, some people enjoy reading biography, other people like delving into theology, other people like um, getting into to more Christian living type books. You know, you know, and and you know, the Banner catalog covers all those different areas of, of literature. Um, so so I, I would say it, it depends very much on, on what your preference is as a reader. You know, if, if you're fond of, of biography and, and haven't perhaps delved into Christian biography, then, then look for a, one of the biographical books that, that, that we recommend. Um, you know, some of them deal with Christians from, from Christian history, some with great preachers from the past, um, some with missionaries. Um, John Payton, a missionary to the, uh, to the Pacific region, um, he, his is a fascinating biography, just gripping to see what uh, a 19th century missionary had to face and, and how he, uh, God brought him through many difficulties. Um, so, yeah, um, more of his history, uh, looking into our history section. But I, I guess one of the most frequent entry points for people to find their way into the Banner Catalog is through a, a group of books, a collection of books that are, are, are entitled the, the Puritan Paperbacks. Um, they're a, a kind of, um, not an abridged, but an excerpted sections from, from key Puritan writers. Uh, so rather than delving into a big, thick hardback or a collection of hardbacks, um, you, you can pick up a paperback of maybe a couple of hundred pages that's going to introduce you to these these great men from the past uh, and give you a flavor for what they write and the style that they write in. And, and you know, again and again, we find people um, delving into those books just to, just out of curiosity. And, and really, they're hooked. And, and having sampled the, the Puritans, they, they, they want to find out more, and, and it leads them into the wider corpus of their writings. First of all, second, what you say about the Puritan paperbacks, they are there. I was 18 or 19, and that was my gateway into banner literature. I wonder if you could say something about uh, the distinction of Banner of Truth as a publisher, not in not in terms of competition with other publishers, but what would what would set it apart? Jonathan and I were talking before we began to record and both sort of agreed that the banner is one of those publishers that almost never disappoints us. And that's not to set it over against other very fine publishers, but if you were to say to someone, what, what's distinctive about a Banner of Truth book, beside its very nice construction and the other things that uh, those familiar with it know, uh, what makes Banner's literature unique? You know, you, you know, sometimes we hear the, you know, the buzzword being used of, of um, experiential or experimental Calvinism over against more academic um, understanding of, of not only Calvin's teaching, but the Reformed faith generally. You know, the quintessential Reformed theologian is, of course, the Apostle Paul. He's the one <laughs> in, in New Testament times who, who began to, to synthesize and, and uh, articulate under the direction of the Holy Spirit you know, the great truths of, the, of Scripture. He, take, he took the great doctrines and traced them from beginning to end through the Bible. Um, but, but he says a very interesting thing at the beginning of the, the letter to Titus, uh, he just makes the comment almost as a, a throwaway comment. He says, "All truth is unto godliness." Mm. So, so where God's truth is being taught faithfully, it doesn't end with mere academic stimulation, but rather it leads to the transformation of a person's life. 
Um, you know, and Paul again echoes that same thought in the you know the famous words at the beginning of of Romans twelve, where he's starting to apply the doctrine, the gospel in all its fullness, um, where where he says, "Do not be conformed any longer to this fallen world in which we live, but rather be transformed through the renewing of your mind." Uh, too often, I think in in twentieth twenty first century reformed churches and reformed seminaries. There's been a great disconnect in terms of how they represent not only the reformers, but also their their heirs and successors in the Puritan era, uh, in that they make a good job of of explaining the great truths, um, but somehow they leave you cold um, because they fail to connect that truth to our lives of God's people at two levels. the most basic in terms of what difference does this make? If these things really, if these truths really are true, what difference does it make to us in terms of what we are as God's redeemed people? But in the greater sense, um, it, it leads to doxology, um, where, where the truth is being proclaimed faithfully. Um, it, it, it should leave you exploding in praise and worship and adoration to this great God. I've often said to, to churches, if if the last hymn of the service isn't being sung with greater gusto than every other hymn, then something's wrong with the preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if, if the preaching is really doing its work in people's hearts and minds, it should make us literally want to explode with praise and adoration to the God who's making himself known to us. Mark, I know that uh, one of the projects that you've been closely involved with over the last several years and, and looking forward into the next several years is the new Banner Mini Guides. And so I wondered if you could explain a little bit to our listeners about what these are, what you're shooting for here. There are four out already. I know there are more scheduled to come out, but just give us a sense of what these are about, what their aim is, who they're aimed at, and what kinds of topics you plan to cover with them. Yeah, um, in one sense, um, Banner, Banner of Truth is new to the game of, of, of producing mini guides because many other Christian publishers are doing the same thing in different shapes or forms. But actually, there's another sense in which we're simply building on what we've already been doing for, for many years. Uh, so that the Puritan paperbacks that are referred to already were, in, in one sense, they, you're the first foray that we've had into the mini-guide um, sphere, and long before any other Christian publishers had, had, had attempted the same thing, that we were providing in, in short compass a taste of what's available in much larger volumes, where even a relatively seasoned Christian reader might balk at the idea of picking up a you know, four or 500 page volume in a hardback, um, perhaps in small print in archaic language, and wouldn't have ventured into there because they thought it wasn't their territory. But give them a Puritan paperback where either a major excerpt from one of those bigger volumes has been presented either in its original form or else it's been edited into more readable contemporary English, as, as has been true of some of our, our Puritan paperbacks. That really was providing a gateway into a larger corpus of work. The actual conversation among the Board of Trustees that led to the launch of the Mini Guide project wasn't in relation to Christian books. It was actually in relation to secular books. Um, our, our chairman, Sinclair Ferguson, pointed out that the uh, Penguin, you know, that, that major secular publishing company, which has a great history of, of publishing great works and solid works and erudite works, uh, that they ventured into what they, they call the little black classics. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were producing these little books that were 80 pages long and would sell for 80 pence British money, which is like about a dollar US money. Um, and, and they were all in a, in a black cover design. So there was nothing particularly 
glitzy about them. Um, but what it said on the on the on the front was, you read these and it'll give you a, a taste of, of some of the great literature of the past. And Tinker just noted that this little collection of books from Penguin was selling like hotcakes, and, and all kinds of people, many of whom thought they weren't readers, were buying them, devouring them, buying more. And, and of course, finding their way into the volumes from which they'd come. And he, he was kind of musing and saying, wouldn't it be curious if we tried the same thing with some of, of, of our catalogue? And that was the launch of it. Uh, so we, we, in theory, aim it at the level of someone who's a sophomore at college uh, with roughly that level of reading ability and command of language. That's a kind of notional thing. So, so whenever... People say, oh, you're aiming at college students. That, strictly speaking, that's not true. We're aiming at everybody, to be honest. Sometimes I say aim at everyone and you'll, you'll hit no one. But that's the level we're pitching it at in the hope that there's, there's loads of people out there who could easily enter in at that point. As they read these books, it'll introduce them to key truths in the Bible's teaching, the key areas in Christian living, you know, the, the five sections of this collection of books that we're trying to put together are Christian truths, which deal with doctrine, Christian living, which address how the gospel's worked out in our, in our life. The Christian mind, um, you know, that's an area that we're, we want to venture into uh, and have begun to already. Certainly in UK circles, there's a growing anti-intellectualism or, or almost mystical piety in, in many Reformed and Evangelical churches. And, and we're eager to show that one of the uh, key factors behind what the, the, the Reformers accomplished and what the Puritans accomplished was the fact that they were thinking men. And they were prepared to, to not only apply their own minds to digging deeper into the Word of God, but actually they, they, they stretched the minds of their congregations, always aiming to bring them higher than they were by nature. Uh, also trying to give people a, a flavor of Christian history. The last section would be Christian mission. So we're trying to cover you know, the main contours of the Christian life and what the foundation it rests upon and how it's worked out in practice. So I know right now the ones that are out are the church, which you authored, the Bible, the Christian mind, and one on the doctrine of salvation. What's the next group that we're going to see? The next ones that are coming out are regeneration. Um, that's this plan dealing with the new birth. We've got one coming out on, on sanctification by David Campbell, who used to be the pastor of Grace Church, Carlisle, Growing in Grace, um, which, which kind of goes hand in hand with David's book on, on sanctification. Uh, just working out what are, what are the means by which God leads us into a, a richer, deeper relationship with him and progress in, in our maturity. Uh, we've also got one coming out on, on the Psalms and how to use the Psalms, um, not just in worship, but in, in everyday um, Christian experience. And then, then further down the pike, we've got, we've got one planned on marriage and another one that's coming out all being well on, on prayer. So those are ones that are immediately in the pipeline. We've got others planned as well. We want to, we're want we hoping that over the next few years, we're going to see one on mission. We're going to start to see a collection coming out on, on church history that, that will span the whole 2,000 years of church history and other ones that will, will relate to the, the Christian mind as well. Bill Edgar, Westminster Seminary, yeah. the one on, on, on the Christian mind. Um, and, and inevitably, you know, your Bill, he's got such a, an encyclopedic knowledge of, of the history of Christian thinking. So he, you know, he, he really stretches our target readership to its limits, I think, in terms of, of what some of them are familiar with. But but in so do, he does it in a way that's, that's very helpful, um, doesn't miss the mark in saying your mind matters, uh, that to become a Christian isn't to take leave of, of your reason, but rather it's to learn to use your God-given reason to its maximum potential. Uh, and to do so not only in, in delving into the truth that he's revealed, but actually being able to 
critique, you know, the myriad other worldviews that are out there and other philosophies that we encounter either directly or subliminally uh, in life every day. Well, those are great offerings on the horizon, and even the ones that are available now are, are, are really valuable. We'd commend them to our listeners. Mark, I really appreciate your time with us today. I know I've said this to you before, but you've been a personal encouragement to me in all kinds of ways, both in your writing and in your preaching and in your friendship. So thank you for that, but also just thanks for your time with James and myself today. Yeah, it's a privilege to talk to both of you, and, and thanks for the opportunity to do so. James, this is tough because you and I uh, could go on and on about the banner of truth. In fact, when I look at my own Christian life, particularly since college, I would say, banner of truth books, the banner of truth ministers conference, people whom I've met in sort of banner circles have had an an incalculable influence on my life in, in positive ways. It's really hard for me to even think about my Christian life without banner of truth books. And I know you could say something similar to that. There was a time when I was married but didn't have any dependents yet. I uh, was working in the seminary bookstore and uh, owned every banner hardback in print at that time. Now, I'm not saying that was the financially responsible uh, thing to do, but I did get a great <laughs> discount at the time and had built it up because it was of such influence. There was something that Mark said about his way into the banner of truth, and it was his father's influence that these were the books that he saw on his father's shelf. And I can say, what resonated with me is I could say the same thing. Banner of Truth books were the books that I saw on my parents' bookshelves that had been there before I was even born. And when the Lord was at work in my heart and I was becoming serious about the things of the faith, the Banner was a publishing company that I was familiar with and I trusted because my parents trusted it. And I was thinking for parents who listen to mm -hmm. our podcast, um, the things that you read and even the things that you own, that your, that your children see in your home as the literature that influences you, it certainly will make a mark on them. And it will be something that perhaps the Lord will use when they become curious on their own right, that they may go and find that literature and, and appreciate it for themselves. Yeah, that's a good reminder. I, I would also say this, the more... I read Banner of Truth books and older classic Christian literature, the less enamored I am with the many, many things that come out. There, there's, there's always so much to read, but read good things. Right. And most Banner authors are long gone. My wife saw uh, as we were coming in to do the interview that I had a book by Thomas Watson, you know, and she said, you're not interviewing Thomas Watson, a 17th century Presbyterian. I said, yeah, but we're talking about banner books, uh, yeah. so I'm going to bring it with me. Uh, and it is something to be said for the democracy of the dead, where we spend time with minds uh, that are uh, in a different culture and time than our own, but are wrestling with the great truths of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for supporting us. If you are able to help us financially, you can do so by going to AllianceNet.org and clicking on the donate button, or you can go to PlaceForTruth.org and there's also a donate button there. Tell your friends about this podcast if you think they'd be helped by it and give us any feedback that you can think of. We're grateful for the comments that we receive. We're grateful for the suggestions that we receive, so keep those coming. And as always, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.